there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's 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 correct, Seth. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. Happy more holidays, I guess. We we are we are back in standard this is standard mode hq yeah we don't have yes. the music in the background or the uh anything else going on that we did have in the last episode right no weird antennas it's all hardlined yeah all hardlined you know it's uh back to the back to the days of no interference or anything like that and pokey's uh extended family has gone home back to their home planet of kashik why why is pokey a wookie because i made the joke in the christmas episode that i know chewie's family is here and you said it was pokey's family and then i said yeah, his family right. is mala and lumpy which are chewie's wife and son yeah chewie named his son lumpy that's weird <laughs> maybe his maybe his wife named him lumpy it's still weird it's like maybe maybe it's a nickname they looked it is his full name is lumparoo so bad <laughs> well anyway i don't we're not here to talk about chewie and his lumps what have you been recently been playing? Seth, I've recently been playing a little game called The Long Dark. The Long Dark came out in 2014. It is a first-person survival game developed and published by Hinterland Studio, where you play as a crash-landed bush pilot who must survive in the frigid Canadian wilderness. It is a fun game. I, I like The Long Dark. I, I originally played The Long Dark some time ago when uh, you and I were sharing our Steam libraries with each other and you had a copy. And then I picked up a copy for myself for free. So The Long Dark is it's pretty fun. As mentioned, you play as this uh, person who survives a crash, a plane crash, and you have to kind of just make your way through parts of the Canadian wilderness and survive as long as you can. And it's pretty immersive in the sense that you can really die from almost anything. Thing. at one point the longest playthrough i did was my character survived like three or four in-game days which um i believe translates to an uh, like three to four hours and but what ended up happening was after i had survived hypothermia when i fell through the ice i needed food and the only animals that were around me were wolves so i decided to try to shoot a wolf and i missed so the wolf mauled me and i died <laughs> yeah that's what happens when you shoot at wolves and you miss i've i've met wolves you have met wolves they seemed nice though the ones you met they they were very nice they they actually um would not be allowed to go into the wild because they were too nice they would walk up to hunters and ask for scratches <laughs> which is not what you do when you're a wolf and no yeah you yeah, meet I... a hunter which is why they stay in captivity but yeah i i also have played the long dark you you get very cold in that game don't you have to find heat everywhere yep Yep, that's like a core mechanic is you have to actually monitor your body temperature and your core temperature so that you have to like find places to light fires and make sure that you're covered in enough dry clothes because if you say fall into a lake like I did, your clothes will get wet and when your clothes are wet, you get cold and you get frostbitten and you have to get by the fire and you can't wear wet clothes and be cold at the same time. It's a bad combination. That's so true. It's, uh, it's how people die. It is how people die, and it's how I died a couple times in that game. Well, what I've been playing is uh, a not a really well-known game, but uh, it's a game uh, done by a small company called CD Projekt Red, and it is Cyberpunk 2077. It came the game it came out on uh, the 9th of December of this year, and by the time of this recording, it is the 22nd of this year, and I have already played a lot of this game. Yeah. Uh, a real lot of this game. So uh, for those who are unaware of what Cyberpunk 2077 is, 
it is a, a game based on the cyberpunk tabletop game. The cyberpunk tabletop game came out in, I think, I want to say the night, like the 80s, and it was cyberpunk 2013, and it was about the far distance future, and it was a dystopic world, and then they released a few other versions, cyberpunk 2020, cyberpunk 2023, cyberpunk, now it's called cyberpunk red, the tabletop game is, and it's based on cyberpunk 2077 which is also a video game. They work together. The developers of the tabletop game work together with the video game developers to get a cohesive world. Um, It takes place in a cyberpunk genre, which is a futuristic world where uh, people have more connection to technology, where you may get like cybernetic limbs or you might replace your eyeballs to get cybernetic eyeballs or do all sorts of fun stuff with your body to change it into a machine. And the world is also generally dystopic, uh, where it is just run by evil corporations, and it's everything's pay to play, and the, there's the haves and have-nots. One of my actually favorite aspect of Cyberpunk is a group called the Trauma Team. And the way the Trauma Team works is that uh, you can get insurance in the game, and depending on the level of insurance, you get the trauma team may come to rescue you. And the trauma team is a essentially an ambulance that is a SWAT team. So wherever you are, if you are injured or with the possibility of being injured, you can send up an alert and a like floating van full of people with armor and machine guns will show up and retrieve you and do everything they can to revive you depending on your level of package um there it's it's a it's a common trope in these type of uh cyberpunk type worlds and i always like that uh, that trope it in fact also happens in Shadowrun, which is like cyberpunk except there's magic and mystical creatures like elves and trolls so cyberpunk does not have elves or trolls or magic. Cyberpunk is very much grounded in a humans and machines. Shadowrun is magic humans and machines. They both have like hacking and all sorts of like the virtual world and stuff like that. Uh, so that's cyberpunk. The game is very right now controversial, as I'm sure people have read or seen. I'm just going to unpack the controversy from my side. So I do own the game on a PC. And I specifically use a service called NVIDIA Now, which is where I remote into a essentially an NVIDIA warehouse and play it on one of their video on one of their computers, which are generally high end rigs. Uh, so I stream it using my internet, which is pretty good, to my computer. So I don't have any issues with running the game. Um, I have encountered bugs, and I've actually sent in a ticket because some of the bugs are annoying, but they're not game-breaking annoying or annoying enough that I'm not going to play the game. So far, I've really enjoyed the story, and I've really enjoyed the game. I understand that there is controversy, and I I do agree that I don't think they should have... I think they should have... If they were going to release a game to an older generation of consoles, they should have made sure that it ran. Um, I understand that we... We even have a, um, some uh, friends of the podcast who 
got it on an older generation of consoles and it's frustrating for them. And I, I feel that like I don't specifically I haven't experienced it, but I, I understand where they're coming from. So I think CD Projekt Red will make do. Um, they're just I think that the game had an issue where it was perhaps overhyped. And when a game gets overhyped, the expectations get pretty high and they sometimes become insurmountable. Other games that have gone through this are like No Man's Sky is a prime example of a game that was overhyped and there was just it fell short of expectations. I think that the game perhaps the game may got ahead of itself a little bit, but it's it's tough. I know it's a tough call to make regards to who's like wrong but i think cd project red will make right by people so to get on to the the show as it were well the, the meat of the podcast this episode we're going to go back to our um talking about arcade cabinets we like to we like to go back and talk about arcade cabinets every so many episodes just so that there's some order in the house as it were this particular episode we're going to talk about weird cabinet like just weird looking ones uh, at some point in time zach and i discovered a, a list of some weird looking cabinets just really strange and we decided that we were going to do like a little segment where we talk about uh five of them today and then maybe five of them some other day and then we'll go through there's a bunch so if they're not super weird looking then we're, we probably won't talk about them but if they're these are going to be some strange ones we'll try to describe them to our best of our ability but we definitely recommend uh googling them if you get a moment to see kind of like what we're talking about because they are some unique cabinets as it were. Seth, do you want to take it away with uh, this first cabinet we have on this list? The way that we'll we'll do this is that we'll uh, kind of describe the cabinet first. Uh, then we'll do our like what we personally feel about looking at this cabinet, like from of our initial views and then uh, some information about the actual cabinet, some facts so people can still learn while listening because learning is half the battle. G.I. Joe. That's right. Bullets is the other half. So the first the first cabinet is uh, a cabinet called Crossbow. Crossbow is unique. It is uh, a, a standard cabinet with your kind of your curved screen um, with the, the overhang, whatever the, the roof of the cabinet is or. Yeah. There's like an overhang of it. It's got the the header on it. it. Says crossbow, and there's like a like a dragon tail or dragon that's poking out. And then there's some graphic going up the side that just looks like a like fantasy creatures as yeah, it were. Yeah, yeah. The interesting part is that there is a large crossbow in the center of the the control board, as as you as you would expect, I guess. <laughs> um, as like instead of a, a a joystick or buttons there is a a crossbow when i looked at this i just initially looked at this this is actually one of the cabinets that i first saw and was like what is going on i i looked at this first and i was just like i i don't even like yes i guess first of all it looks simultaneously a very fun game to play and also a very dangerous game to play and i'm like mike it's like i do the there's strings like it's a legit crossbow just like built into it i'm sure it's plastic at the end of the day the image that we have is is nondescript whether or not it's wood or not but i guarantee you it's plastic but i want to know like does the string move like i don't even know if it does it would be fun if it like reacted the way it, like the oh like the guns in time crisis do where they slide back mm. if that did if that did that for the crossbow but my yeah that was my my initial take was just like what is going on and that looks dangerous. Uh, my my take is, I just think any game that has a crossbow 
it's it's got to be a good game <laughs> i think crossbows are just like of all the medieval weaponry out there i've always had a weird affinity for crossbows i don't know why i just think they look cool and i think the concept of the crossbow is cool so i'm sure it's a fun accessory it looks like it's would be fun to play with the, the um the crossbow is like the uh the gun of the medieval ages <laughs> It's like the rifle of the medieval age. It's a it's a powerful weapon. So this game was uh, created by a company called Exidy, and it was made in 1983, where times were rough and kids were wild. The game was later published by uh, Absolute Entertainment, and it came out on the Commodore 64 and MS DOS. And the Atari Corporation published it for Atari 2600, the 7800, and the 8-bit family. And that all came out in 1987, which was a great year. The game is controlled via the full-size crossbow. And the object of the game is that you have to protect a band of adventurers by shooting objects that threaten them. The adventurers enter from the left-hand side of the screen and attempt to cross the screen unharmed. You have to help them reach the opposite side of the screen by providing them covering fire. Once they cross the screen, they would survive to the next scenario, where they have to cross the screen again. Uh, occasionally, new adventurers will join the adventurers crossing the screen between scenarios. So, overall, it sounds like a pretty simplistic, maybe a, like almost like a tower defense, right? It sounds like a little bit like a tower defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except you are the tower. Yeah, you are the tower that is doing the defending. Yes. So, crossbow uh, coming to an arcade not near you yeah the next game on uh this list of just kind of bizarre cabinets um was one that i picked out i thought was a fun little system it's a game called hang on which was made by sega now the the hang on cabinet in particular i'm gonna break it down for you this thing looks like a motorcycle it actually kind of looks like a japanese style motorcycle like a kawasaki or a suzuki also kind of looks like just the way the plastic is molded kind of looks like a light cycle from tron oh yeah i can yeah, see that yeah it looks like the like the old style light cycles except where the handlebars traditionally go there are handlebars but there's also just big old crt smacked into the system and, and yeah and that's the thing that's that's what it looks like I, I i love it i think it like i just love the idea of a tv shoved right in front of you <laughs> And it looks so dangerous. Like, if 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 you get on this thing and something were to give and the entire thing were to tip over, that's a lot of equipment that's just going to crash into you. Well, that's why the stand that it's on looks like it's from, like, an industrial metal. Like, that thing looks like it bolts to the ground. Oh, yeah. But, like, still, like, if anything were to happen, if that thing were to, like, keel over, that's that's it. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no turning back I, I i just want to know how you perch on that thing do you sit with your face six inches from the screen or you do sit sit sitting up that's that's what i'm wondering that is something that gave children glasses like you know it damaged eyeballs back in the day i'm sure to me when i first saw this it looked like a motorcycle from the iconic image from the akira movie except that it was branded sega <laughs> yeah <laughs> And there's and there's that aforementioned television screen shoved in the front. Personally, I really love these type of uh, arcade style games. If it's like a replica of a motorcycle or a car, they always cost like a million more dollars than any other arcade game. They'll be like, 
oh, do you want to play like Hackman or Time Crisis? It's like a dollar or like 50 cents at like Dave and Buster's. Then they're like, oh, do you want to ride on the motorcycle? That's like $4. <laughs> I, I'll spend all the money in the world to play this game. And I just feel like anything where it replicates a machine, like I'm not going to have this in my house. I'm To be fair, I'm not going to have a crossbow in my house, but I, I can play a shooting game in my house. But I like, so like I can emulate crossbow on my computer and I probably wouldn't lose that much value that the crossbow gives it. Where having this motorcycle, I couldn't have this motorcycle in my house. And I think it would lose a lot of value. Like if I'm playing a motorcycle game, I want to be on a motorcycle. Or like if I'm playing a car game, I want to be in a replica car. That's just how my life is. And uh, so, yeah. So even though it looks dangerous, I would still be the kid that climbs on it. I don't know if I'd sit with my eyes up against it or if I'd like ride sitting normally on it but uh but yeah i i definitely i definitely get on it and injure myself yeah uh, so hang on like i mentioned was made by sega it was made in 1985 the game was actually later ported to the sega master system which was um, a great little video game system in the game the player is controlling a motorcyclist and you are racing against not only time but computer controlled racers and it was a very cool game because not only was it one of the earliest arcade games to use 16-bit graphics it also used something called the super scalar arcade board now the super scalar was this kind of neat innovative piece of technology that was designed to allow sprites to scale um, and look decently when they scaled to create kind of a 3d effect so like big sprites would become small sprites but they would do it with kind of a fidelity so it wouldn't look gross it was kind of a cool little gimmick that uh the game had to go by and as you can imagine from the fact that you are perched onto this onto this motorcycle you are using the motorcycle to move your character back and forth and you have to adjust obviously with the motorcycle i was reading a little bit more about hang on and um, they actually did release a standard stand up cabinet one where you're not straddling a motorcycle apparently they did this not only for cost saving methods but also because there were some complaints from people who found the the hang on machine to be rather uncomfortable and also unfortunate for individuals who were say wearing skirts it also doesn't look like it was handicap accessible definitely was not <laughs> next is uh two cabinets for the price of one a cabinet called arm champs and the sequel arm champs 2 so uh just <laughs> I just love the name <laughs> Arm Champs. So there's Arm Champs and then there's Arm Champs 2. Even though one is the sequel to the first one because it is says so in the name Arm Champs 2, they are two entirely different looking games. The first one is blue and what I would refer to as flesh colored. <laughs> it looks like it looks like you're at this like blue table with a shirtless man who is fused into a wall. <laughs> like it's like something out of a horror movie. Or like uh what what's the the lady name from uh Doctor oh, Who? Oh, Cassandra. Moisturized yeah, her. but she's like but she's like pushing out. Yes. It's yeah, or oh, or like that that horror movie where there's like people stuck in the walls yeah, or whatever yeah, the ghost oh, stuck gosh. in the walls. And then instead of a face on this replica of a, a topless person is a image of a angry man's face that has bright orange hair and a karate band which i hope that like a band over his head like a sweatband and i hope that's just the image that goes on there like i hope that's what stays oh, the entire I time so you play um, and then above the header says arm champs but there's no like it doesn't pull over like a, a traditional like there's this it doesn't come over like a screen like a roof uh it just goes straight up like a almost like like a 
I don't know, like a campy five and dime type situation. The sequel, Arm Champs 2, looks like the Arm Champs 1 guy went to play cyberpunk. Yeah, it looks like, like, oh, I love it. It's like instead of fighting a shirtless man, you're fighting a robot that has a silver arm sticking out of its <laughs> right. chest. Yep. So apparently because you could defeat Arm Champs 1, they Earth had no more mighty heroes to defeat the whoever the player is. Ran out of shirtless and now man. they had to they had they had to go for robots, yeah. So it's it's more um chunky and plastic the Arms Champ 2. It definitely has that like I I feel like um like Tonka toy coming at me while yeah, I'm looking yeah, at this. So, yeah. <laughs> like a like a kids like a kids plastic type deal like yeah 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 and you. then and then a, a steel hand sticking out but i think it's the thumb sticking up so you can wrestle arm wrestle with them yes that was kind of like my initial take too was when i looked at it i was like the first one looks like it's from coney island and the second one looks like the coney island went to cyberpunk and i like how this second one they, you get a little foot pedal yeah but the first one no dice yeah I like the thing. I well, the, and the foot pedal doesn't even look like it's a foot pedal. It looks like it's a like a grip for your feet, so you don't slip. Yeah, well, that's what I meant, like a foot gripper. Yeah, which I think is a hundred percent. Like they got complaints of people slipping and face planting in the arcade. Yeah, especially like you, you have no guarantee of what this is going on. <laughs> yeah. So like it could go on carpet or it could go on tile. Yeah. yeah. And if somebody spilled soda next to this machine, you're gonna you're oh, you, you are you going are, down. You are dunzo. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I, I love this thing. It, they both of them look like those love testometers or whatever they're called that yes, you see at yes. like a ske- skeevy bar in the back where you have to like grab onto something and it's like this tells you how much you love the other person. Yes, yeah. They they do have those for strength too, but you don't have to do anything. You just grip it. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's they're all they're all just awful looking. Uh, you are arm wrestling in this. For those who might not have caught on, you are arm wrestling against the AI. Yes. It it's decidedly a, a video game, but it's border that like take my money versus a video game. So it it was a arm wrestling game, and it was released by Jaleco in 1988, and it was followed by its much more popular sequel, Arm Champs 2. It came out in 1992. So in the game, Arm Champs and Arm Champs 2, your objective is to beat your opponent in an arm wrestling match, as you would assume, with a name like Arm Champs and an arm sticking out. The arm strength, your arm strength when you're fighting the AI arm wrestler uh, is measured during each round. And the game has uh, two modes. And one of those modes allows you to freely select an opponent to arm wrestle against. The other mode is your story mode where you go through, it looks like, was it three rounds maybe? Yeah. So at least in the first game, there are assorted characters that you have to fight against. Um, There is Nessie Papillon, who is a female champ and a British professional wrestler. There is the Mad Foreman, who is an unemployed (laughs) man from Germany. But he's a foreman. Yes. No, I think that's his name. His name is Mad Foreman. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think that's his title. I think his name, I just realized now, his name is just Mad Foreman. Like Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> or, or Red Foreman. Yeah, a Red Foreman, yeah. Except he's mad. Yeah. The next is... Who's uh, <laughs> unemployed. He's unemployed. The next is uh, Cho Yongping, who is a Chinese fisherman. Then there is Mike Robinson, a South African miner, and Wolf Adams, an American convoy driver. Those all sound like wonderful human beings. They do. Oh. Oh, Mad Foreman is my favorite just because it's just an unemployed 
man from Germany. <laughs> I I like that in Arm Champs too. We don't know if there's characters. Yeah, and it might just be robots. Well, the best thing about these Arm Champ games is that while Arm Champs two is readily available as a as a dumped ROM over the course of the internet, Arms Champ one can only be played in arcades and, and only in Japan. <laughs> Meaning you have to go to Japan to play Arms Champ one if you really wanted to. It's uh, almost like could. It's almost like a lost game. It's kind of like a lost game you could buy the board i assume probably except i imagine it's rebuild very expensive yeah i i looked at the purchasing arcade boards before and they can get to be essentially when you buy an arcade cabinet and if you're buying an arcade cabinet with a board in it you you are primarily paying for that board yeah 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 the boards can run up to be about five six hundred dollars a pop let alone like that's it like that's all you're getting is a board it's pretty it's pretty intense uh, now the next the next game the next game i love i love the next game i've never played the next game but i love it and it's one of the older titles on this list it is fire truck from 1978 now fire truck to describe it for you looks kind of like your standard arcade cabinet you know it has that has that the boxy shape with the the inset portrait screen with the marquee at the top with the instructions down the side. Instead of a joystick, it has a, uh, a wheel. You know, not that weird. And then it has a chair. And chair has another wheel on the back of it for another player. Because my friends, Fire Truck is a co-op game. It involves one player sitting down and another player sniffing that player's hair. <laughs> no, it's just another player has to stand behind. But gosh, does it look weird? It's also very red. Like, they went with the Fire Truck theme um over overboard and uh has kind of like on the on the on the sides of the of the original machine it had a kind of vintage looking fire truck design going for it so when zach was originally building out the notes for this episode he dropped in a bunch of images of arcade cabinets that we thought were fun and or he thought was fun were fun and i was looking through them and i was like yep that's definitely weird yep that's definitely weird and i got to fire truck and i was like that's not really that weird it just looks like a seated like a racing game and so i was like why why is this in the weird arcade cabinet list and then i realized that there was that controller that zachary mentioned on the back of the seat so that there would be someone standing and somebody sitting now i just want you to think where so yeah so it's 1978 this is an interesting co-op right it's a co-op game which is rare for that time it's it's cool it's an interesting concept but what if you don't have a friend that's with you and you want to play this game first of all who would want to hover over somebody's head while playing this game which is hopefully your friend's head and who would want to have somebody hover over you being seated and hopefully that it's your friend that's hovering over you also i feel like the seat nor the controls are adjustable no i don't think so so they're yeah. so they're like sized for two very specifically sized people so like if somebody's extremely tall or short it's gonna get weird real fast so fire truck uh it's actually uh you know, from 1978, it was programmed by a man named Howard Delman, developed and published by Atari Incorporated. And this was actually, a, it's a black and white game, which I think is kind of cool. So back in the 70s, a majority of games were black and white. And what they would do if they wanted color in the game is they would usually put an overlay over the screen or they would tint the glass Ooh, a certain fun. color. Um, and that's how they did color for a lot of things like Breakout and stuff like that. And it was actually one of the earliest games to do co-op like this where two players have to work together and that's really cool because co-op i think is very important to to playing video games i think when you have a game that has co-op it instantly becomes a better game 
even if the game isn't great <laughs> it's just it instantly is a better game if it has co-op but just as long as that person who's cooperatively playing with you is not standing in a weird position and as long as one of them doesn't smell like butt in, in in fire truck players have to cooperate to drive the truck through traffic as far as possible without crashing while the game can be played with one player it was designed for two the front player steers the tractor of the truck sitting down controlling the gas and the brakes while the rear player steers the tiller for the rear wheels controlling the swing of the trailer the cabinet also provides the players with bells and horns but these don't do anything they're just for show Uh, or fun yeah but they're still just for show but they are just for fun all right this one if you don't if if you look up any of these i really recommend looking up all of them we definitely recommend looking up this one and this is going to be the, the the last one for this episode. Uh, we'll come back and do some more weird arcade cabinets because I, I think it's fun. It's great. I love looking at this stuff and talking about it. So this one is uh, called Maneater. Now, Maneater is, is best described as a if, if someone took an arcade cabinet and then covered it with a rubber shark. <laughs> Where the screen is, <laughs> open the mouth so that the top of the mouth was the screen and the bottom of the mouth was the controls and it also had a very pointy nose it looks really inappropriate it looks when i looked at it the first time and the second time and the third time it always reminds me of something extremely inappropriate that uh we won't mention on this podcast because we're appropriate Mm. (laughs) though or or yeah either one (laughs) um my my second thought after being like, huh, that looks like a... My second thought is there's teeth on this yeah. mouth of mm-hmm. the shark. And they line up so that they are in front of the controls that you would use. So if I'm putting my arms down to control this machine, am I putting them on the teeth? Like, where are the teeth? And do how comfortable are they? Because I don't... They look like they would be uncomfortable and that playing the game would be tough. My understanding, at least from looking at other photos of Maneater, is it looks like hard plastic, Seth. Oh, fun. That's always fun to put your arm on. I love just placing my arm on sharp, hard plastic nodules while playing a game. Uh, my, my thinking with this is that there was an executive out there who said, who looked at like the design of this, looked at the prototype machine, and said, this is a great idea and nothing is wrong with it Uh, there's a bunch wrong with it Uh, it's so good i i love for those who don't know this game came out in 75 so it would have been prime time for sharks because jaws was out in 75 oh yeah i mean this game came out because of jaws yes and the game came out in 1975 it was made by the project support engineering company and it appears to be you playing as a dude who's swimming and trying to avoid sharks who are trying to eat him and if he is a man hence the name man eater Ooh, a little bit more information about it so i do have what the material is the enclosure is a metal flake fiberglass formed white cabinet so that is made of fiberglass i feel like people got hurt playing this oh yeah anyway that's going to be our weird wacky arcade cabinets and the ones that we we thought you would enjoy oh yes and were they not only weird but they were wacky and don't worry there'll be more we want to make sure we want to drag out weird wacky cabinets and if you if you've heard or know about a weird wacky cabinet that you think we should know about like typing of the dead or something like that where the cabinet is weird 
let us know. We love to know all about weird, wacky cabinets. Uh, the weirder, the better. So yeah, so with that, let's get on to our byway pass. So my byway pass is a game called Lord of the Rings Gollum. Lord of the Rings Gollum is being produced by Daedalic Studios, and it's supposed to come out in 2021. It is a story-driven action-adventure game where you take on the perilous journey as Gollum, chasing the only thing that is precious to him, the One Ring. Now, he is skillful and cunning, but also torn by his split personality. One mind, two egos, you decide. Now, Seth, I'm, I'm quite the fan of the Lord of the Rings. You know, I love the movies. I've played some of the games. I used to remember we had one of the DOS games, I think. It was kind of hard to play. It was like a difficult game, but it was fun. He played as played as Frodo. You know what I'm talking about? That game was hard. That game was hard. Yeah, yeah, it was a tough game. But you know, I like Lord of the Rings. I like I like you know Lord of the Rings content. I think it's a very fascinating world. I haven't played games like I have not played games like Shadow of Mordor, but I've heard very good things about it. I don't want this game. Uh, <laughs> to put it bluntly, it's going to be a pass for me. I just like I think Gollum is a very interesting character. I don't want to play an entire game as him. I, I don't know about you, but like, I think of all the characters to make a story-driven action-adventure game out of from the Lord of the Rings universe, Gollum is like the last one I would have picked. It just doesn't sound appealing to me. Who knows? I mean, it could be someone's cup of tea. And, you know, I'm not going to knock anyone for picking it up. Um, it looks like a cool game in the terms of the, like, uh, graphics and stuff like that. And you know, Daedalic Studios, I'm sure they they, ha they have some good minds behind what they can do with the game. It's just, it's going to be a pass for me. It just does not look like the game I want ever, to be frank. <laughs> wow. This is kind of a, uh, is it really that bad segment for a game that hasn't even come out yet? <laughs> Zachary's already to rip into uh, Lord of the Rings Gollum. My byway pass is going to be a game called Summerland, which is by uh, Fire spelled f-y-r-e so just like that company that tried to have a oh fire festival fire <laughs> that fire festival on an island with no tents oh, that's a that's a good sign anyway so it's fire games and it it did it came out uh earlier this month uh december 2nd and it is a walking simulator first person narrative where you play as a detective reliving his past because i think you might be dead because it's called summerland and there are some moral choices that you have to make throughout the game it looks like a uh, what remains of edith finch style game but it's free Ooh! i grabbed it i'm gonna try it out and i will talk about it hopefully in an episode near you uh so i'll put it down as a buy question mark because i'm getting it yeah so maybe a wait and see it's it's free though so if you go on steam just look up summerland and you also could own a copy of a first-person narrative game about morality. Yeah, I might, I might uh, play that as well. I, I like games like that. If it's anything like uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, then I would be very happy. Well, it doesn't need to be as weird as What Remains of Edith Finch, because that is a weird game. But it could be like just paced like it. That'd be fun. All right, that is the end of that our... That is it. We've done it. Why don't you take us away... Take us, take it away. So let's say you want to contact us, listen to us, and support us. Well, those are great things that you should do, and I'm going to tell you how to do those right about now. If you want to contact us, you can shoot us an email at classicgamingbrothers at classicgamingbrothers.com, or you can send us an email to classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com, or Zach at classicgamingbrothers.com, or Seth at classicgamingbrothers.com, or info at classicgamingbrothers.com. I checked. It works. It's great. You checked. I checked. Well, I actually checked before you. I just didn't tell you. So you can send us an email to 
to all those places. You can also go to our website, classicgamingbrothers.com, and you can go to the contact form. You can fill out that contact form. You can shoot us a message that way. It goes right to our email inbox, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Uh, feel free to get in touch with us whenever you feel like it. You can let us know what you think of the show, what you like about the show, what you hate about the show, if you have any ideas for the show. Um, sometimes we take ideas and we put them into episodes. We've done that recently with things like The Virtual Boy, and uh, our horror episode was also uh, inspired by uh, a fan request. And so, uh, yeah, that's some things that you can do if you really want to uh, reach out to us. And any email that gets sent to us from people who are real and not spammers will get entered into the chance to win a free video game. So have at it. And not just that and more. We have a special announcement to make. We are upping our prize giveaway. So not only will you be entered into a chance to win a choice of a free video game, which honestly, for a video game podcast, I think that's a pretty sweet deal. You may also have a chance to win the voice of our professional announcer, Josh, for your home answering machine. Is he going to send it on like a microtape, like the kind that they used for old style answering machines? Yeah, so you'll facilitate that. <laughs> so, so for your home answering machine or voicemail, we are with the times. Our announcer, Josh, will leave you a voicemail that you can leave as your voicemail. It's not like anyone else has ever done this giveaway before. No, definitely no one else. No one ever. Anyway, so yeah, we, we that is now officially on the table. Excellent. Well, that's, uh, so yeah, feel free to reach out to us. That way you can be entered into the chance to win something awesome. So let's say now you want to listen to us. Well, you're already listening to us, so you win this one. Good job. Well, if you want to let people know how to listen to us, I think I should say, you can tell them that we are available on every podcasting application that we are aware of, which includes Spotify and includes Stitcher and includes the Amazon podcasting application, includes iTunes. It's everywhere. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. So just, uh, you know, look us up on your favorite podcasting application. If for some reason we're not on that podcasting application, well, I highly recommend you let us know so that we can get on that application ASAP so that we can be available to anyone who wants to listen to us on that application. Look at that. So uh, so that's how you can uh, listen to us. Now, if you want to support us, well, you're already supporting us because you're listening to our podcast. And I, I got to say, I'm really happy that you are listening because that is the best thing you can do to support us. But another great thing you can do to support us is you can go to our social medias. We have a Facebook, we have an Instagram, we have a Twitter. Our Facebook and Instagram are Classic Gaming Brothers. Our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. You can go to those places. You can like us and you can share us and subscribe subscribe and ring bells and do all those things you can go to our twitch as well we have a classic gaming brothers twitch twitch.tv forward slash classic gaming brothers and we also have a versus classic gaming brothers vs classic gaming brothers twitch that's where i usually stream or sometimes i just kind of hang out and chat with seth using the, the chat function so feel free to follow either if you want to follow the main one though that's the that's the big one that we stream from yeah oh and we have a store too yeah we we always have a store um but feel free if you want to if you want to throw some money our way so that you can have some merchandise you know that's why we have the store but it's definitely not a requirement obviously or anything that we are holding anyone to we uh, appreciate having you listen to us that's the best support that we can get Um, so feel free to share us and let everyone know that you love the show and that's everything that is it that is the entire list of things that you can do and that's all that people have to do and that's all i have to say and there's nothing else i have to say at all unless seth can think of something that he has to say don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother i've been seth and i've been zach and we've been the classic gaming brothers that's right right if we found i think we could rebuild arm champs so you should find the board 
four arm champs. All right, here so we go. We Clicking can. Looking it up. You're not actually looking it up. 